Okay, we are going to pick it up in Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. If you didn't get the handout, you want the notes for our sessions in the morning, raise your hand. If you didn't get a notebook, a conference notebook, you can raise your hand and, and request that. Uh, I know we've got extra notebooks out at the, at, out at the uh, lobby, lobby table. Um, we're going to go ahead and get started. You guys can take care of business. If you need notes, if you need notebooks, you can just, just work with the Connections team on that. Okay, Proverbs, I'm sorry, I'm in Proverbs on Tuesday night. This feels like a Tuesday night prayer meeting. Uh, sorry. Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter two. Okay, if, if I can just give it a heading for the purposes of our conference this week, it would be this. We must count the cost and cast the vision. That's your first set of blanks in your notes. You have to count the cost if kingdom territory is gonna be taken. If the work is going to, you know, the ministry is going to multiply, uh, you're going to have to count the cost. And then you got to get people on board. Uh, you're you're going to have to cast the vision, the burden that God's placed in your heart. He will verify. He'll certify that vision. But you're still going to have to communicate that vision effectively. So we'll pick it up here in Nehemiah chapter 2. You'll remember when we started in chapter 1, it was in our November, December time frame that Nehemiah inquired. He wanted to know what the needs were, what the, what the problems were. Uh, and so he gets this burden. He, he just sits, he weeps, he's fasting, he's, he's praying. And so now, in chapter two, verse one, it's the month Nisan. Uh, this is the, this, you'll, you'll, you'll see it called the month Adib uh, in your Bible. And this falls in our March-April time frame. So he's been carrying this burden for about, about one quarter of a year. Um, he's taking wine before Artaxerxes the king and, and, and watch what it says here in verse one. And I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now, I had not been before time sad in his presence. Okay, so what's happening is this burden that he discovers back in chapter one. He inquires and it's bad. I mean, it's really bad and, and he's broken over the need and he wants to be part of the solution well, this burden's growing in his heart and he can't just keep it to himself anymore, right? The burden must be shared. He's now sad in the king's presence. He can't contain it. He can't hide it any longer. Verse two, wherefore the king said unto me, why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? Uh-oh. Okay, you didn't get to show your negative emotions in the presence of a king like this. That very likely could be a death sentence. Okay, you didn't play like that. You were professional and you were excited to serve the king or else. That's kind of how that worked. So, so, so this, is a, this is actually potentially a very dangerous situation. And the king calls it, he says, this is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Sorrow of heart. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm burdened, I'm sorrowful of heart. Look at the response. Then was I very sore, afraid. Uh, he knows that potentially his life is on the line. And the picture there is, you know, you now have this burden from the Lord. You see yourself, right? You see yourself being part of the solution to the, the, the problems that are in this world. You have a kingdom vision, a kingdom burden. You want to be a part of seeing ministry multiply. And you kind of, you feel like God's showing you what you can do to make a difference. And, and sometimes there can be fear in sharing that burden. 
A lot of times the questions that people will wrestle with is if I, if I put myself on front street, will I be accepted or will I be rejected? If I share the burden of my heart, if I share how God is leading me, will I be laughed to scorn? Will I be mocked? Will I be rejected? Will people see the burden that I see? And then, you know, in, in, in Nehemiah's case, it's, it's a very dangerous position. If he's rejected by the king, likely he's executed because uh, the king don't play. Now, your pastor does not actually have the ability to command your death. Um, if he does, you're in a cult, get out, run, okay? Your, your pastor cannot say off with your head. And so why are you afraid of your pastor? Don't be afraid of your pastor. Uh, you need to share how God is leading you. you. You need to fill your pastor in. Now, you know, he's busy, be respectful of his time, set an appointment, uh, you know, don't, don't run him to ground. <laughs> in a way that's inconvenience for him, you know, maybe take him for coffee, whatever, but, but uh, God's not given you a spirit of fear. If the Holy Spirit of God is leading you, that's a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And if you're thinking right, he'll see that. At the end of the day, if you're not totally in on the burden, right, if you're not totally in on how God is leading you, well then why should your pastor ever, why would anybody ever listen to you if you don't know how God is leading you? Why would anybody support you if you're not sure what God's doing in your life? So you have to know yourself, first of all, what God is doing, how God is working in your heart, and then don't be afraid. Notice Nehemiah's boldness. Okay, why is he bold? Well, he's ready to, he's ready to risk his life for the sake of the kingdom. He's all in. He's 100% ready to lay his life down because there's a problem in Jerusalem. So he's giving, the, the picture here is he is giving the, total, the totality of his life, all of himself for this kingdom burden. And hello somebody, God uses consecrated vessels. It's not how smart you are, how sharp you are, how strong you are, how clever, how you have the ability to win every argument, to put down every foe, to mock those who do not align with you on every point. No, it, God uses the willing, consecrated servant so he's bold. Are you bold? Do you know how God is leading you? Are you ready to lay down your life for that call? Are you in no matter what? Brothers and sisters, if kingdom territory is gonna be taken, if ministry is going to actually effectively multiply, it's gonna require people who are willing to lay down their lives. Total consecration is required. So are you ready for a kingdom mission, a kingdom vision, the kingdom burden? Are you ready to give your life are you ready to lay it down? So verse three, he says to the king, said unto the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? And the king said unto me, for what dost thou make request? Okay, so when God opens the door to cast the vision, take it. So what does he do? The king says, what do you want? And notice, I mean, this is wisdom. First, let your requests be made known unto God. Uh, he recognizes who the king of kings is, who the Lord of lords is, and so he starts there before he ever answers this earthly authority. Do you see that? I mean, he's, he's been working this out with the king of kings before he ever shows the king his personal authority in this world, before he ever reveals the burden to him. And when the king says, okay, what are, you, what, what are you really asking? What's your point, Nehemiah? Well, then he prayed, oh God, help me. 
<laughs> right? I prayed the kingdom heaven. This is one of those very fervent, very short phrase prayers. Oh God, help me. I'd like to keep my head today. <laughs> and I'd like to make a difference. Okay, so here it is. I prayed to the God of heaven. So in making this request to his, his authority, in, 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 in the case of the parallels, uh, the parallel application for church planting taking kingdom today. So, you know, your pastor's like, what's going on with you? Well, communicate prayerfully. And Jesus told us in Luke chapter 18 and verse one that men ought always to pray and not faint. A lot of times, um, it's weird, you know, people theologically won't be Calvinistic, but they will be in their prayer life. What's up with that? Well, God knows everything. He's gonna do what he's gonna do, and what does it matter for I really, you know, so I'll catch myself wrestling with that. God, you know what you're gonna do, what you're gonna do, I'm just, just do that and I'll be fine. <laughs> Instead of entering in and having a conversation with my father about what's going on in my life. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. So here it is, man, verse five. I said unto the king, if it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, if I'm gonna to live to see the end of the day, well, here it is that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchers, that I may build it. So here's the burden that God's placed on my heart. I'm talking to you, King Artaxerxes, as my pastor. Right, here's the burden that God's placed on my heart in building Christ's kingdom. Boom, he just lays it out very simply, very succinctly. Now, this next part is hard for you know, some of God's people to do. Can you trust God to be so much God to be such a big God that he will actually align your authority, your spiritual authority, with the vision that he's given you for your life. Can you trust God to keep the heart of the king in his hands and turn it whithersoever he will? Can you trust God for that? Does he really hold the hearts of kings? I mean, if he can hold the heart of a king who actually holds the power of life and death over his citizens, surely, surely he can capture the heart of your pastor. Do you have faith that God has your pastor's heart? Well, you know, I might share the vision and, and he might say no. Thank God. You might have just been rescued from some great idea that, was gonna, that you weren't totally ready for, that you weren't equipped for, uh, that, I mean, you, you might have just had bad pizza last night and you got a good idea based on bad biochemistry and, <laughs> and your brain pan didn't deliver the right information and, and uh, thank God when the pastor says no. Can you trust God to be so much God that he'll align your authority with the vision that he's given you for your life? So here it is, verse six. The king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, for how long shall thy journey be? King's already down. How long are you, how long are you gonna be gone? And when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me. Man, if your pastor can't get excited about you being sent, it ain't time to go. It pleased the king to send me. I set him in time. Moreover, I said unto the king, if it please the king, um, write a letter of recommendation for me to the other pastors, the other authorities. I, you know, like, I don't want you to just say you're behind me. I actually want you to effectively, tactically get behind me. So write these letters. Recommend me, right? Let letters be given to me to the governors beyond the river so that when I show up and tell them what God's doing in my life, they won't put me in their jail, <laughs> right? I, 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 that they may convey me over till I come into Judah. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, because uh, this is gonna cost you, king. Don't you know it costs a local church anytime they send someone out? 
Uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of expense. So, you know, sending somebody out means you're saying no to other, like the king could be building his summer home. I'm not saying your pastor's doing that with church funds, but I'm just, these are realities on the ground, okay? And so, you know, king, this, this is gonna cost the overall ministry. And so I, you know, it, it, let's, let's look at the budget. Let's make sure that everything lines up so that we'll actually do what we say we're gonna do. So we're gonna have to have, we're gonna have, to have material supplies for the beams of the, the, for the gates of the palace, which appertain to the house and the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters and then watched the supply continue. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. So he's already sending mission teams to help support the new work, right? Uh, he's sending these captains, and, you know, so there's a little bite, there's a little, there's teeth to this initiative. Uh, nobody's gonna mess with Nehemiah or it's obvious they're messing with the king. So what are we talking about? Point number two, trust God to work through your authority structure. Trust him to be so much God that he can handle the heart of your pastor. Because if God is in it, then God's gonna make a way for you to move forward. And you can count on him for that. If God's in it, your pastor will be in on it. He will be in. Get full of faith for that. And if your pastor is not in, thank God. If the authority structure in your life is not with you, then God's just using that to, 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 to keep you safe. Uh, keep, it, keep it in mind, it's safety from the Lord. Maybe it's not time yet. Uh, your pastor can't see it because it's not time yet. Not now. Or maybe it's not the way you're thinking. It, uh, uh, you need time to grow. There needs to be time for more issues to be worked out in your life. It's, uh, it, you know, it may be things like, you need more time to actually lead somebody to Christ and make a disciple, if you could just make one disciple before we put you out to be a pastor somewhere, that'd be kind of, that'd be kind of handy. <laughs> but it is amazing. People who aren't fruitful, oh, once you give me the mic, man, then I'll show you a thing or 50. Uh, if you can't be fruitful here, why would we send you? If you can't be faithful here, why would we send you? If you can't demonstrate good stewardship here, why would we, I mean, if you're not faithful in that which is in le least, right, the, the, the least things, why would people give you more responsibility? And so maybe there's, you need more time for growth. At the end of the day, God is so much God, whatever burden, whatever vision he's put on your heart, this is the way we say it here at MBT, anytime God's doing something, anytime God's sending, anytime God is, 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 is you know, calling us to grab another gear in ministry, he sends a group email, right? It's a group chat. You won't be the only person that, that, that sees the vision, that has the burden, right? He'll make sure that the whole of his people get the message. See, faith says my spiritual authority will know what is in my heart. If God is in it, he'll make a way. I shared with you yesterday how I had, I had shared a, 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 a vision and a burden for making disciples, right? Just a strategy to make disciples uh, in the heart of our city. And, and I wasn't thinking, even remotely thinking about planting a church in Midtown. Uh, but let's be missional, let's start Bible studies, let's start outreach services uh, to, to meet people where they're at. And let's win people to Christ and and let's do it on the streets, let's do it in the schools, and, 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 and let's just trust God to, to make a way 
for us to have fruit in our urban core. And, and initially, my senior pastor said, no, we're not gonna do that, it'll result in a church. And uh, what our church had said at that time is, we're done planting churches, and, and uh, we're not planting any more churches, let's figure out a, a, another way, a better strategy. And I'm like, well, okay, you know, God, I'm praying, I know, I know what I heard, I know what I heard from you, Lord. Uh, the call was make disciples in the urban core. That's what I clearly heard from the Lord. Now, when it's time to do that, I won't have to go, I won't have to fight for that, I won't have to be in rebellion against my pastor. Uh, Lord, you'll make a way for me to do that. You're gonna open the door. One of these days, somewhere in the urban core, I'm gonna have an open Bible, and I'm gonna lead some people to Christ, and I'm gonna make some disciples, because God, you'll be in that, and the timing, you'll work that out. Lord, I trust you. Just, here's my life, you can have it, okay? Uh, you know, if it's up to me, I won't do much with it. You just take it and do with it what you want. And uh, it, it, it took a little over a year, but, but, but there it was. I mean, when it was time to go with an open Bible to the urban core, Jeff Adams, my pastor said, do it, go. I went with my pastor's blessing, and, and, and Jeff, I'm not saying he was a prophet, but, but it ended up being a church. <laughs> Um, we, uh, I remember I was doing the, uh, the uh, youth summer camp for KCBT uh, in 2007. Well, what had happened was, okay, so here's the short story. Let's see if I can tell this succinctly. I was the college, pa I was Brandon Briscoe at our sending church. And, uh, you know, maybe not quite as cool, but better looking, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Okay, we did not rehearse that, but honey, th thank you. That was, yeah, that was good, yeah. Okay, so, so I'm Brandon Briscoe, and, and I've got, I mean, workhorses. I mean, these guys, as a matter of fact, uh, the, I had a group of people that would charge hell with squirt guns. Uh, and and mid, let me just say this, getting a foothold in Midtown, it was not easy. It was very hard. Uh, to this day, it's not easy to come to church, just to attend at MBT. You're gonna park somewhere where your catalytic converter might be stolen, and that's the price of doing ministry. Count it, count it all joy. Oh, yay, I get to buy another catalytic converter. Uh, count it all joy. You, that, that mechanic, the reason you keep going back to them, because people keep stealing parts off your car, is because that dude needs Jesus. And so whatever it costs you to lead him to Christ, you're just gonna pay that price. Uh, it's, a, it's a wooden shoe, I'll talk about this in a second. It is a wooden shoe generation that God used to plant this church. Remind me to cover that at the end. And, uh, you know, we're looking at what it's going to take to see ministry move forward. And Brandon makes the comment one time. He's like, what are you going to ask us to do next? I mean, are we going to just build, and this is what he said, and I quote, are, we, are you just going to build a big bonfire out here in the parking lot? and get a big M for Midtown brand in that fire, and do we all just gotta get an M, M brand to get, I'm like, we're not running a cult here, bro. <laughs> but I appreciated his point, it's like, it's not easy, it's hard. And, um, and so we're, we're, you know, we're, we're, doing, we're doing outreach on Sunday nights, and, and it's just not happening, I'm, I'm working these guys to death, and, and so by about, um, I'd say winter break, in 2005, 2006, I, I told Tim, I said, he's the executive pastor at, MBT, at KCBT, and I said, look, I'm killing these guys, this isn't working. 
And I'm thinking, you know, he's gonna say, shut it all down, and, and I'm just gonna, man, Lord, would you have me tender my resignation? You know, I'll just tuck my tail between my legs, and, and I'll just go to Southwest Arkansas, or Northwest Arkansas, and I'll start some Bible studies there or something. Maybe I can get, I can get sent to start a Bible study in Northwest Arkansas. I, you know, I don't know, I mean, just Lord, what, I know you called me to the urban core in Midtown Kansas City, I, I, I'm here, where's the fruit? And, and so the decision was made, let's go to Sunday morning, let's try it, and, and so we called it KCBT Midtown. And uh, the agreement was, as I would preach on Sunday morning, and then Jeff would come on Tuesday nights to preach uh, our prayer meeting service, and, and we did that for several months. And what ended up happening in that summer of 2006, when we went to Sunday mornings, uh, we prayed, and we asked the Lord for a way to reach people. Met with all of the leaders, what are some ways that we're gonna reach people on Sunday morning, uh, or in Midtown, now that we're on Sunday mornings? And we came up with all these great ideas. Uh, we're gonna go door to door and, and, and we'll do a survey, we'll find out what the needs are in the community, we're gonna, we're gonna take up food goods, we're gonna find out where the widows indeed are. Uh, you know, just all these social justice things that, that, that people typically think about. And, and, uh, and then, you know, I said, let's not be presumptive, let's take two weeks to fast and pray and then we'll come back together and we'll just see, we'll just see what the Lord uh, will have us to do in making connection with Midtown now that we're on Sunday morning. And, and uh, right before the leaders come back for the follow-up meeting two weeks later, the executive pastor calls me. He says, Sammy, I'm just calling all the pastors uh, to let them know not to start any new ministry initiatives uh, Jeff doesn't want us to be distracted. This fall, we're gonna have a shift from world outreach to uh, a new approach. They were calling it the summit. And we don't want anything to distract from that. And I'm like, Tim, we just moved it. We just rearranged the whole schedule so that we could see if we could get traction on Sunday mornings. And, and if I can't make connection with the community to let them know that we're meeting, we're gathering on Sunday morning, how is this gonna work? I don't have an advertising budget. I mean, what, what are you doing? He's like, Sam, I don't know what to tell you. You just can't start anything new. And uh, I was a little miffed. We, ha we had a tense conversation, but I'm submitted. I'm like, okay, we won't start anything new. And so I get on my face in my bedroom and I can hear the leaders coming into the house and I'm like, oh God, what am I gonna tell these guys? If I tell them the answer is we're just not gonna do anything, they're gonna think we've all lost our ever-loving mind. I'm gonna have a full-blown mutiny, mutiny on my hands with these 15, 20 leaders. I mean, what are, what are we, I'm agonizing, begging God for an out. And I don't know what else to tell you, I just gave up and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go downstairs and face the music and somehow God's gonna work this all out. And as I'm walking down the stairs, um, the Holy Spirit just brings the end of Acts chapter two to the forefront of my mind. It's just right there. And, uh, and what I knew in my knower, okay, I don't, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I'm not talking about that. I knew in my knower what the Holy Spirit was pointing out to me. Am I enough? God said, am I enough? Because everything that they were doing, that the early church was doing in Acts chapter two, we already had that scheduled. It was actually already on the books. It was already in the, in the master calendar. So we had our services, we had, we had a once month uh, baptism uh, service already scheduled in faith and, and that was on the calendar and, and we had a potluck. 
uh, after the baptism Sundays and all that was on the calendar. We, we already were broken down house to house in small group Bible study. And so all of that was, uh, we, we had worship. I mean, everything that they were doing, it was there. And it's like, am I enough? And I'm like, well, how are people gonna know that that's what we're doing? I'm just stuck on the stairs, you know, arguing with the Holy Spirit. I mean, how, how I know that, this, that you're enough, but how's this gonna actually tactically work out? And it's like, he's God. I just gotta get full of faith and just move forward and do what God told me to do. So I come down the stairs, I'm submitted. Okay, Lord, you're enough. And I told the leaders, we're actually, uh, that whole list of eight, 10 things, no, we're not gonna do any of that. We're already doing everything that we're supposed to do to get traction in Midtown. Uh, let's just give God thanks, let's work. You know, we had a great time. Uh, it took a minute for everybody to get their head around that, but. I don't know what else to tell you. We had service that next Sunday. This would have been like early July of 2006. And it was just us, it was the same group. Um, But it was like God came to church that Sunday. It was awesome. So like, to this day, one of the most amazing, wonderful times of just doing church with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, God came to church. And uh, I'm like, okay, you know, this is great. I, I really enjoyed today, but Lord, I wanna make disciples in Midtown. And, and uh, the next Sunday, God came back to, to serve, and he brought some visitors with him. Uh, he brought some, I don't know, he brought some friends and, and we got to know them. And then the next Sunday, uh, more people came and pretty soon it's like, where are all these people coming from? We'd have 30, 40 visitors on a weekend. It's like, where are these people coming from? And, and then people are getting saved and we're baptizing people and we're just, pretty soon we can't keep up. Everybody's maxed out discipling and well, God, God did it. I don't know how else to explain it. God did something that where with men, it's humanly, it's impossible. This is why I tell all of our, our growing leaders, we have, to, we have to get full of faith, right? We have to, there we go. My tablet went to sleep on me. We have to get full of faith that, that what God is in, he will supply, he will resource. God, God can work in the heart of my pastor God can work in the heart of the people working with me in ministry. God can fund everything. Um, Nehemiah enjoyed letters and resources and and we did the same when we started here. Um, We didn't have everything that we wanted. We had everything that we needed. Uh, In the early days, uh, it got tight. There were a few times where I thought, I'm literally gonna have to tell everyone, bring your own toilet paper. Uh, I'm no joke, it was that bad. And, and uh, you know, the children's ministry started growing. We had a little coffee table that we used to gather the kids around. And, and when, when that table filled up, we didn't have money for another table, but we had a cardboard box that was one of those thick-walled, heavy-duty cardboard boxes, and that was our children's ministry. That was, our, that was children's ministry station number two, cardboard box. And God blessed it and used it. Kids would ball when they had to go to the bathroom in the winter because we didn't have hot water in the building. And they knew we were gonna make them wash their hands and they'd start crying. Because <laughs> <laughs> of the ice water that we'd clean them up with. But, 
but, but God supplies. Okay, so if you think that God's calling you, then trust God to get you sent out with the king's blessing. You never have to force anything that God is doing. Notice the great supply in verse nine. Now, we'll come back to this. Verse 10, understand that there will always be adversaries to any kingdom building work. So here in verse 10, you've got Sanballat and Tobiah, and look at, look at their Look at their major malfunction. It grieved them exceedingly that there was a man, right? There was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Paul said there are many adversaries, 1 Corinthians 16, 9. And we'll come back to Sanballat and Tobiah here in a minute. Verse number 11, point number three, do your homework. You need to know the need. If you're gonna be used to expand the kingdom, Okay, I get it, you're gonna be clueless on so many things, but you want to do as much prep as you can to know everything that you possibly can in order to see the work move forward in faith. And so do your homework, know the need. And this is what he's doing here in verses 11 and following. He just goes out at night and he surveys what are the actual needs. And, and, and that's just him and the Lord. He's trusting God to show him how to proceed and how to do the work. The rulers didn't know where he went or what he did, verse 16. Uh, not the priests, not the nobles, not the rulers. Uh, not even the people that were doing the work. He had to get a vision from the Lord. And so you gotta do the homework, you gotta do the survey. What are the needs? What are the opportunities to make a difference? Because that's gonna inform your prayer life. That's gonna help you in leading the people that God gives you for the work of the mission. So what's the scope? What's the scope of the work? What's it gonna require besides us being willing to lay our lives down? In other words, what's he doing? He's counting the cost. In every phase, Nehemiah has to count the cost. Here's what lies before me. Just going, in his case, talking to the king might be a death sentence. But he counted the cost, so he did it. What's it gonna take to repair the breach? What's it gonna take to, to, to repair the walls here in Jerusalem? He's counting the cost. Every disciple has to do this through the phases of their life. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples that they have to count the cost. Otherwise, they can't be his disciple. And what you find out in verse 27 is it'll cost you your life. If you don't bear your cross and come after me, you cannot be my disciple. And then check it out, Luke 14, 28. For which of you, intending to build a tower, setteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether you have sufficient to finish it, lest happily after he laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, and all that behold it began to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet that which cometh against him with 20,000. Otherwise, he's brokering a peace deal. So are you in every phase that's before you? Are you in? Are you willing to do what it takes? Because it's hard work. It's hard work taking kingdom territory. It's a faith work. It never just happens. Well, you know, I mean, just like, you know, all of a sudden we got all this fruit. And I didn't do any, uh, no, God will use you laying your life down to seeing kingdom ministry multiply. At the end of the day, if you can't be all in, whatever it takes, the totality of your life on the line, why would God use you? Why would anybody else get behind you? Hey, there's a guy that's one bun in it for Jesus. I'll just throw in with him. I like it, I, lo I love working with people who are half-hearted in life. Now, why would anybody join with you if you're not all in? Then said I unto them, verse 17, you see the distress that we are now in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem. Come, let's establish a kingdom foothold. 
that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. We're in, Nehemiah, let's do it. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. So every opportunity that you have, he's vision casting to the king, he's vision casting to the people, the team that he's with uh, in ministry. And so if you know God is sending you, first your authority is behind you, but now you've got the responsibility to lead people in ministry. God's making a way, so how do people help? Okay, so in the early days, starting at MBT, we, we would, this was like our first phase of vision casting for what we were trusting God to do as a ministry. So go ahead and throw up the whiteboard. Um, yeah, there we go. Okay, so we, we just, it was, it, was the, it was the vision on a napkin. And here's the, here's the 30 second version of it. Uh, we would do it over lunch or whatever, but you know, basically we wanna go uh, we, were, we, were at, we were at KCBT, okay, so that's right there. And what we want to do is we want to go across town and we're going to make disciples here. And at the point where we knew that it was going to be a church, oh, I, I got, like a little kid, I got sidetracked on my story. So I was, I was, it was the summer of 2007, I was doing the youth camp and Tim calls me and he says, uh, Sam, we want you to pray about just taking Midtown and starting it as a church plant. And I'm like, whoa, where did this come from? Well, you know, we gotta get focused, we're getting ready to build this new addition and, and, and there's just so many things going on. The more we can, we can get, we can get um, uh, focused in every area of ministry, the better we're gonna be able to move the ministry forward. And so if you would just take uh, KCBT Midtown and make that a local autonomous church, then you could focus on that and then that would free us up for the other initiatives that we've got going. And I'm like, what happened to we're not planning any more churches? And uh, uh, you know, basically it was, Sam, listen, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, it's a church. <laughs> so you're, you're winning souls, you're making disciples, you're baptizing people, you're discipling, uh, you're doing that in a, in a local, right? You're doing that at 40th and Walnut, not 55th and Blue Ridge, it's a duck, okay? So, so, so okay, so, so now here's our church, MBT. And what we wanna trust the Lord to do is to, to, to start Bible studies. We wanna, we wanna make disciples in our city and, and so that's gonna happen in different places. Uh, maybe one can be across town. Oh look, that's Lee Summit. Uh, but there'll be other places. God will open doors for us in other parts of the country. And so, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a Bible study and uh, we'll just, let's just label that one Tampa. Uh, Tampa, Florida. And, and so this will happen as God opens up doors of ministry what, what, what would happen is, is you know, we send a group of people out to make disciples in another place, and as the ministry develops there, well then, when it's time to, to, to plant another church, the disciples are multiplying in these places. Let's say, I don't know, let's say maybe, maybe uh, the Lord will open up a door for us in a place like Boston. Well, what's cool now is it's not just one church working to multiply ministry, but there's a family of churches that are working together, and wouldn't it be cool if, if, if people from these established churches could, could, could also send help and people and resources, I mean, this was back in 2007, could they send help and resources to supply the ministry in another part of the world? And so, well, where's Pastor Dan? Dan, have, you've taken teams to Boston. How many trips so far? 
Two trips so far, okay. Getting there. And then, and then Mark, you guys, you guys have got a trip in the works, right? Did you already take a team? You took one team and, and there's gonna be at least one team this year? Don't one bun it, bro. <laughs> Don't one bun it, bro. And so what, what, what then happens is I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna go back the other way. Uh, we're gonna go to the Far East. And then, you know, something happens in, in a place like Vietnam. Let's say Saigon opens up and, and then now all of a sudden, you know, you've got, you got, you got people that are supporting the work in, uh, in, in places like Saigon and, and, oh, I don't know, Dallas. Uh, okay, now I'm just scribbling. <laughs> uh, we'll make that a D. Well, then how this is... That, down. Okay, and then, and then what's happening is more and more people are, are invested in seeing the ministry multiple. So that's kind of how we communicated it, is can we trust God for a soul winning, disciple making, leadership training and sending ministry? And whatever that multiplies out as in terms of churches, in terms of people, in terms of ministers, well, man, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what we're gonna trust God to do. So that's 2007, 2008. Uh, 2000, where are we at now? 2022, just right around the corner. Best party in the nation right here tonight and in Lee Summit. (laughs) Sorry, also in Lee Summit. That was the vision, we shared it often to anybody that would listen, and look what God's doing. But now understand, you can get excited about a vision, and you can make your plans, but no plan of attack survives first contact. Philosopher Mike Tyson said it this way, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. So let's talk about dealing with detractors, okay? Let's talk about dealing with detractors. Verse 19. So here's Sambalat and Tobiah, and now Geshem, the Arabians, with them. They hear what they're doing. They laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? In verse 10, they were grieved at the idea of anyone actually working to win souls and make disciples and train and equip leaders and, and see ministry multiply for the glory of God. They were grieved at the idea that somebody's taking a foothold for the kingdom of Christ. And so now they're full of derision. So you just gotta get this down. There's gonna always be people who scorn a biblical vision. It's just gonna happen. A biblical mission, they're gonna despise it. Notice the accusation of rebellion against authority. Uh, what, what, What thing is this that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Verse 19, they laughed us to scorn. They despised us. You're actually... You're actually fomenting rebellion against your pastor. Will you rebel against the king? I mean, just, it's all lies. They're lying on, on, on the man of God. It's just simply not the case. And so you make sure it's not the case. If you actually take territory, if you actually are used of God to multiply kingdom ministry, people that are near and dear to you are gonna talk trash on you and they're gonna make you out to be a rebel You just make sure that's not the case. You make sure that you're a man, you're a woman under authority, and then you trust God to deal with your detractors. Uh, From time to time, I will hear through the grapevine, not that I even care, okay? I I quit caring a long time ago, but from time to time, I'll get get word through the grapevine that 
that uh, this, this, that somehow I, I forced this church plant. And I know before the Lord that that's not the case, and the people who think that, they weren't part of any of the conversations, they don't know that. Uh, I did not rebel against the king. Uh, Jeff Adams told me to go. Man, praise the Lord. And I didn't have to force anything. God holds the hearts of kings and pastors in his hand, and he turns, he turns them with us wherever he will. Trust God to deal with your, I mean, your detractors, that's between them and the Lord. You just do what God called you to do. Be a faithful man, be a faithful woman. Do the work that God's called you to do in his word. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19 says, it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. People will think they have insight on what you're doing. Man, don't worry about that. You do what God told you to do. And let's let the Lord deal with your detractors. Stay full of faith. Look at verse 20. Then answered I them. Here's how you answer your detractors. The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we, his servants, will arise and build, but ye have no portion nor right nor memorial in Jerusalem. What God is in, God will make a way for. God opens the door for. Nehemiah was broken over the burden that he had for his people in Jerusalem. He was broken over the vision that God gave him to make a difference. And so, you know, in, in, here in chapter two, the king blesses it. He is a sent one, right? The avenues of opportunity present themselves and so then the, the, the jackals start howling. They start nipping at his heel. Uh, planting churches, okay? They're saying, they're basically saying, you split, you're, you're trying to split the kingdom. Uh, if, you go, if you go multiply ministry somewhere else, you're splitting this church, whatever, okay. Man, if your pastor, if your pastoral team, if they've got peace, you have peace. But now get this down, if you plant churches against your current authority structure, right, if your pastor doesn't see it, uh, you're in a dangerous situation, you're in a dangerous place. Planting churches against your spiritual authority structure results in a weak work, why? Well, because the Spirit's grieved. Have you ever read Ephesians chapter four? Have you ever read Ephesians four? That shows how the church is to function and in verse 29, it tells us how we talk to each other. And then in verse 30, it says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. Churches built, and I appreciate Jeff saying this last night, but churches built on splits, right? He was so right. Uh, they, that, that, that is, that's a, what'd you call it? A wild seed. Man, what a great way to frame that. Uh, churches built on splits and divisions are weak and anemic. How can they thrive when their power source is grieving? Uh, yeah, there's life there because God loves his children and, and, and he'll do the best he can with you, you little nimrod. But he's grieving. So trust God to move in the heart of those that are in your authority structure. Again, I've been referencing this. Here it is, Proverbs 21, verse one. The king's heart is in the hand of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It's in the hands of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Just get full of faith. God, what you've placed in my heart, you'll time out in the heart of my pastor. Get full of faith to move forward. One way or another, God will accomplish the vision that he showed you. But God has to open the door. God has to supply. God has to work or you're laboring in vain. And you can want right and you can know right and you can be 100% convinced you are right. But except God's making the way, you will waste your life trying to accomplish something in your power, your wisdom, and your ability. God has to do it. 
I shared with you, you know, again, whenever I first presented that vision for making disciples in Midtown, the first response was no. I didn't, I didn't sweat it. God, I know what you told me, I'm just praying. And that's between you and the other pastors. Lord, you will work it out, whatever that looks like. I don't have a clue what you want me to do. I don't have a clue what you want to do with the rest of my life. I just know it's to win souls, make disciples, and see ministry multiply. So Lord, you make the way. And then in terms of supply, not only did God make the way, but in terms of supply. Okay, I hear stories from other pastors <laughs> all the time about, like one pastor showed me a check for $1 million. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Right? I mean, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah, uh, it's just it's amazing, you know. Uh, half million dollars came into the church this week. A uh, quarter million dollars just came into the church this week. And I'm like, we found a cardboard box. <laughs> can, I, can I just tell you something? It's all good. If God gave us a million dollars, that would have destroyed us. That would have absolutely wrecked us. You know what we'd have been trusting in to move forward in ministry? It wouldn't be that God would do what only God could do. It'd be like, how are we gonna spend that million bucks? And are we taking the staff to Cancun for staff retreat, right? That would have messed us up. We've never had, not one time in my, in my, in my, my tenure as pastor at MBT, not one time have we had everything that we wanted but man, we've always had exactly what we've needed. I'm so grateful for that. God made the way, God of heaven. This is how Nehemiah puts it. The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. Our job isn't to get what we want in ministry, it's to work hard, and that's good. Hardship is actually a help. So there's this, there's this uh, concept that, that historians will talk about of of wooden shoe versus soft shoe generations. Have you heard about this? So pioneers, what are they doing? Well, they got, they're, they're building something from nothing and they're actually carving their shoes from bits of wood that they find. Uh, they're taking vines and leather from their kills and they're making shoes so that they can actually do better in the field and, 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 and you know, uh, mining limestone in the quarries and things like that. I mean, these are, these are hard people doing a hard work because they want to accomplish something in their generation. Well, it's in the heart of a parent for their children to always do better, to always have more, to enjoy blessings that, that we didn't enjoy. I want that for my own children. And so what happens is, is we don't, we don't have them go out and find some wood and carve out some platforms and, 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 and tie some leather straps to it so that they've got shoes to walk in. No, what we've done is we've actually grown and, and there's more ministries that start up and there's more amenities that are made available and pretty soon what we want and we realize we now have the capacity to produce is soft shoes, slippers, really comfy with foam soles and I mean just really nice because we don't want our kids to suffer the way that we've suffered. Is everybody with me so far? And so what they talk about, historians talk about, is wooden shoe generations build kingdoms and soft shoe generations lose kingdoms. And this is the cycle of humanity. I'm so grateful. So if you're gonna build, if you're gonna see ministry multiply, be willing to endure hardship. And that's actually a gift from the Lord. Okay, talk to Tony Godfrey. 
they carved a worship space. They were meeting in a closet for worship. That's what they had, and, and God's given them disciples and the ministry's multiplying, what do we do? Well, I don't know, good luck, figure it out. <laughs> and they got full of faith and they trusted the Lord and they carved out a worship facility out of a bowling alley. And I, I saw pictures, you actually made the stage out of, out of out planks from the bowling alley. I mean, that's just like, that's actually brilliant. That stage is solid, because the, the, the bowling alley wood's like that thick, it's, yeah. Um, that's, that's healthy, how are we gonna do that? How are we gonna make a space where we, can, where, we can, where we can, you know, without distraction, see souls saved and disciples made, where people can attend on the Lord? Well, man, th- this church was bringing the lawn chairs for how many, three months, five months? A year. a year. They brought their chair, you know, be, some of them probably brought their own toilet paper. <laughs> right, now they're bringing their, like, like it's not easy to go to church at Harvest in Iola. It's not, it's not, that's actually a good thing. Uh, endure hardship as a good soldier. Yeah, it's gonna cost you your life. What, what were you gonna do with it anyway? Sleep on fluffy feathers and eat delicious delicacies your whole life? I mean like, did I get it right? Is it an L? Yeah. I don't know, it's bad whenever I have to actually. <laughs> Who's the loser? <laughs> oh, what, what were you gonna do with your life? I wanna be comfortable. I want what I want when I want it, how I want it. Man, good luck with that at the judgment seat of Christ. What Paul tell Timothy? Endure hardship as a good soldier. You don't wanna be entangled with the affairs of this life. I'm so grateful it's not easy to attend MBT. Uh, you know, you guys getting a taste of, you know, where do I park? And will my car be completely together whenever I get back after the, sur- you know, that kind of, ah, you know, that's actually nothing. <sighs> let's, put a, let's put a pin in it right there and, and uh, we'll, we'll pick it up tomorrow. Uh, there's a lot here and I do want to overview the rest of Nehemiah, um, but uh, we'll definitely have to drill down in chapter four. Uh, there is a spiritual battle. Uh, There is a spiritual battle.